Welcome to The Refresh from Insider. I'm Rebecca Ibarra. I'm Dave Smith. It's Monday, August 8th, and we're the podcast that updates whenever there's news. All day, every weekday. Here's the latest. The father and son convicted of killing Ahmad Arbery in 2020 have each received an additional life sentence. 36-year-old Travis McMichael and 66-year-old Greg McMichael, both white, were sentenced on federal hate crime charges related to the 2020 murder of the black jogger. A federal judge also denied the McMichaels' request to serve their sentences in a federal prison. A lawyer for Travis said putting him in the notoriously violent Georgia state prison system is a, quote, backdoor death penalty. Holy moly, Axios just announced it's selling itself to Cox Enterprises, an Atlanta-based media company. The cash deal values Axios at $525 million, a cool half billion. Cox, which got its start in local newspapers, is acquiring the digital-first Axios in part for its recent expansion into 24 local news markets. With the help of Cox, Axios says it will grow its local coverage to hundreds of cities. One of Indiana's largest employers says it can no longer continue to grow within the state because of its new restrictive abortion laws. Eli Lilly, one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the country, says it's going to have a hard time attracting talent from now on. So it will have to expand operations outside of its home state. On Friday, Indiana became the first state to pass laws restricting access to abortion since the Supreme Court overturned Roe. A school district in North Carolina is putting AR-15s in schools. That is, assault rifles. In schools. The Madison County Sheriff's Office says it wants to beef up security in the event of a school shooting like the one that occurred in Uvalde, Texas. The rifles will be kept in safes, along with extra ammo and tools to breach a locked or barricaded door. They're meant only for police to access in an emergency. David McCullough, the two-time Pulitzer Prize-winning historian, has died. He was 89. McCullough wrote immensely popular biographies of topics ranging from Harry Truman to the Brooklyn Bridge. His biography of John Adams was turned into an HBO miniseries. He was also well-known for his honey voice narration of PBS documentaries, including Ken Burns' 1999 landmark, The Civil War. Men who had never strayed 20 miles from their own front doors now find found themselves soldiers in great armies, fighting epic battles hundreds of miles from home. They knew they were making history, and it was the greatest adventure of their lives. Today and every day, we're updating the refresh from Insider as news happens, so check back whenever you want to know the latest. Coming up, why you need to stop working so hard and why it'll make you happier and more productive. Naloxone is a life-saving drug that is used to reverse opioid overdoses, and there's been a nationwide shortage of it recently. But now, a nonprofit has helped secure 100,000 doses of naloxone, getting it directly from drug makers at a lower cost. This win comes at a time when the number of people overdosing on opioids has reached a record high. 
In Albuquerque, four separate killings of Muslim men have the community in a state of fear and panic. Three of the men were killed in the past two weeks, the most recent victim on Friday night. Police say they believe the deaths are connected and are intentionally targeting the Muslim community. All four victims attended the same mosque. In Texas, Governor Greg Abbott has appointed a police officer charged with using excessive force on Black Lives Matter protesters to a Texas commission overseeing police training and licensing standards. Justin Berry is one of 21 police officers in Austin who've been accused of using violence against protesters after George Floyd's murder in 2020. In a press release, Abbott said the commission ensures Texans are served by, quote, ethical law enforcement personnel. Labor shortages are making air travel a total nightmare for passengers and companies alike, and it sounds pretty dire for Qantas, the big airline out of Australia. Qantas needs baggage handlers for the next three months, and it's asking senior executives to do the work. They'll have to handle bags in four to six hour shifts, three to five days a week. Senior executives, dear Lord. As if there wasn't enough tension between the U.S. and China over Taiwan right now, here comes Apple, which has reportedly asked suppliers in Taiwan to say their products are made in China. Why? Well, according to Japanese news site Nikkei, Apple is trying to avoid Chinese customs from screwing up its shipments, especially since China has started enforcing new trade rules as part of its response to Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taipei last week. Anyone with an office job knows how grueling the nine to five can be. You know, you're expected to be constantly chugging away at your computer for eight to 10 hours a day or more five days a week. But how many of those hours are you actually productive? Ed Zetron writes about tech and business for Insider, and he says the reality is people just can't be productive for so many hours a day, and managers need to overhaul their entire way of thinking about productivity if they want happier and, yes, more productive workers. So, Ed, what do you mean we can work less and be more productive? So, the reality is we're already working less. Most people cannot work for eight hours a day. It's actually neurologically kind of hard to do with a knowledge worker job. And there are actually diminishing returns past the 40-hour work week in general. Mm. But really, the core of it is there are a lot of business owners, a lot of executives, vice presidents, whomever, management sect, who truly believe that eight hours is what the value is, not the actual output. And it's despicable. You cite research that says the maximum amount of hours we can actually concentrate is around five hours. Well, there's that research and other research that actually says even less. We're actually productive for for about three hours a day. But what that really means is if you are staring at a computer for eight hours, it's borderline impossible to actually keep fully engage that time. It is mentally stressful. And so five hours of actual work does make sense because people do procrastinate work. But the reality is if you sit there and force workers to just stare at the computer for eight hours a day and their work is the same as five hours, you're an idiot if you're trying to recoup those three hours because happy workers work well. They work harder, they're more efficient, and also they're less likely to quit. 
there's a whole like TikTok genre dedicated to making fun of office work by office workers. But one of the things that they make fun of is work about work. And you actually write about that. What is work about work? It is busy work. It is, oh, agendas. It's, oh, document filing. It's a pestilence in my industry in particular. People love making documents to show the work they might do based on another document for a document. This stuff kills people. It ruins your life. It slows you down and it gets in the way of actually contributing in any meaningful way. So you write that the pandemic exposed, you know, this charade of employers urging people to work longer rather than smarter. How so? So... In an office, you would have middle managers. Middle management needs to go almost entirely. Middle managers were basically hall monitors. There was a big performance in the office for a lot of people, for managers, for workers. And there were a lot of people who were very good at looking busy. They'd be like on the phone, they'd look, they'd typing really loudly. They'd always be at the office late. You leave at 5.30 p.m., which is the end of the day. They would scowl at you. They'd say, oh, okay, must be having an easy day. <laughs> Removing the office meant that these people had no way to really prove that they were working extra hours, which was stupid anyway. So if someone is worried they can't see what their workers are doing, they just don't understand what their workers are doing. It's, they just, oh, I can see them and thus I know they're doing something. That's a completely insane way of looking at stuff. It's just a completely bonkers idea. It suggests that one's presence is entirely indicative of one's efficacy, which is just wrong on almost every level that it can be. Speaking of that, so you run your own company, as you said. How do you practice what you preach? Do you practice what you preach? Yes. So we've been remote since I founded the company in 2012. I am confident there have been work weeks where guys work maybe two or three hours a day, don't mm. really care. Clients are happy. I'm happy. Everyone's happy. Everyone gets paid the same as they would if they worked eight hours Practicing what I preach is mostly down to not really caring about out. As long as I get responses, and if someone's out, if someone's like, I am sick, cool, okay, I know now. I don't have to worry about that. But for the most part, it comes down to, are your goals here? Are the things that we are doing being done? Are the clients getting coverage? And they are. Are the op-eds being written? They are. Are the things being edited? Are the press releases going up? That's all that really matters. And I, my guys are predominantly on the East Coast. And I know they, I don't know when they wake up and I don't really care. I, I just don't care. I never have. The work is done. Why would I be mad? They're happy, I think. They seem pretty happy. Ed, thanks so much for chatting with us on The Refresh. Thanks for having me. Ed Zitron is the CEO of EZPR and author of the newsletter, Where's Your Ed At? Make sure to follow The Refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. You can also just tell your smart speaker to play The Refresh from Insider podcast. I'm Rebecca Ibarra. And I'm Dave Smith. Talk to you soon. Bye.